it really does seem like during this in, in wartime that it's not the time to start and p- spend time studying as much as it is to live out what you've been taught and what you've learned <laughs> because proximity to people has just been totally destroyed. People move and they're, they're everywhere. They're, they've gone to different cities. They've done different things. And what it seems like, what I've noticed is that what com- what's really inside of a person comes out during this time. Welcome to Be One Make One, a discipleship podcast. This is a show where we share stories and tools to equip everyday followers of Jesus to make disciples. On every episode, I have a conversation with someone whose life reflects Jesus' command to go and make disciples. This week, we have a very special episode where I chat with my friends Tyler and Kelly Sanderford, who are missionaries in Ukraine. I got to hear their story about what it's like to make disciples in crisis, and it was so encouraging to hear what God is doing there in spite of all that's happening. So I hope their story encourages you too. Well, thank you guys for, for being with us today. I really enjoyed um, hearing some of your story at the family gathering last week. So, um, yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Ethan. Thanks, Caleb. Um, so I'd first love to hear just, yeah, you, before we get started recording, talked about y'all met in middle school, didn't start until we were in college. I would love to just hear how how did y'all's relationship over decades kind of flourish and form? Well, I think the first time I... I really interacted with Kelly was I, I wanted a picture of her like they had those school pictures that they would take of, okay. of you and then yeah you could give them out to people maybe if you wanted to and she had a cheerleading photo and I was like I would really like that and I think she gave it to me because she felt sorry for me yep and then <laughs> and, and then I wrote on the back something like Tyler you've been such a good friend thanks so much for this year and signed Kelly so that was our first time to meet her. and I thought oh brother <laughs> But we went to a really small high school and there was only 56 in our graduating class. And um, so you couldn't help but have classes together. And we um, just became friends. We had classes together and hung out kind of in the same friend group. And I always had a boyfriend. So (laughs) Um, I was always there in the background. Tyler was always there in the background. My parents loved him. He was a great family friend. Our parents were friends. And yeah, so then um, we graduated and I went away to John Brown University. Where did you go to university, Tyler? So I graduated same school with Kelly, obviously. And then I stayed in Dallas, went to community college for two years, saved some money and then transferred up to John Brown too because she sold it to me. And she was there. (laughs) Even though six months after I went there, I broke up with her. <laughs> I cried my eyes out. And it was a dark six months. But then we got back together, and that was it. So yeah. I, finished, I finished with a business degree in leadership and management, and Kelly finished. I graduated with special ed education major. It was great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was a great place for us to grow and learn. Yeah. Um, one of the best things that happened while we were there, besides us, figuring ourselves out a little bit um, was that we took uh, perspectives in the world Christian movement. And I actually took it twice. I audited it a second time because it was so good. And so it really helped us get a vision for what God was doing in the whole world. Right. Opened our eyes to a lot of things. And during this time, uh, my uncle was with the navigators in Russia um, and he did English camps in the summertime and invite students to come and teach English or, I mean, come and practice their English in the summertime at a camp. 
And he's like, well, I have a niece who speaks English. And so, and she's a student. So he invited me to come and spend the summer living with Russian girls and speaking English and sharing my faith. So it was a really um, challenging summer, but I learned a lot that God wanted to use me, even if I didn't really have any specific skills. Um, And so it really helped me open my heart to just God, okay, use me however you want. And then the very next summer. The next year, yeah, I I was trying to get my internship in business. And I was looking around for opportunities to go overseas to do it, though, because I wanted to go somewhere. So I looked at Vietnam. There was an opportunity there that closed down. And then I was talking to Kelly. And there was a Canadian guy who was trying to start up a marketing company in the same town where she was in Russia, in Tver, Russia, T-V-E-R, Russia. And uh, they needed someone to come and do some marketing things. So I thought, well, I'm, I've got marketing books. I'm taking a marketing class. I'll go and go for the summer and see what's there and try. And, and I went. And a couple of the people that Kelly had met in her program um, had come to Christ. And they are there now in this marketing firm. And it was such a, you know, I think when you go overseas the first time, the Lord probably does so many more things in your own heart than he does through you to other people sometimes. So he really changes you and breaks you down and changes you to places that you haven't been before. That's what happened with me. And same thing. I was there for about six weeks. And Tried to do some marketing things and came back and was like, wow, this was this was just amazing to see. But we graduated in 2000 yep. and then got, uh, married. got married and lived in Dallas for a little while. And yeah. we knew we would like to go back overseas and we were trying to experiment with that. So in 2002, uh, we decided to go one more time and say, Lord, is this kind of a place you'd like for us to go? Overseas, even just being overseas in general, like leaving sure. the country and going. And so we went, we were to camp, worked with some of the same people that we both had worked with at an English camp. And at the time, Kelly was seven months pregnant, so wow. she was not doing too with much. With our first, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, but it turned out God really worked and gave us clarity on our own marriage. Um, because again, with our parents all divorcing, we didn't have really good models of what does it mean to be married. And so he really worked uh in our marriage and showed how kind of what how things look our roles and things and it was really good so we came back with this like excitement of hey wow let's let's do this <laughs> we did definitely uh, feel like god was saying that he would go with us wherever we went and mm-hmm. that he was giving us this option to follow him and do full-time ministry or do conventional income you know be a businessman which was uh, Tyler's degree and he was saying, I'll be with you in either yeah. way. It's not that you're going to be better follower of me if you, you know, go live overseas. No, it was just a step-by-step walking with him. And we looked at each other and said, well, we're healthy. Our families are healthy. Let's go. So we joined NAVS officially. And they said, well, we want you to go to a, a campus ministry to see what it's like to work with students. So they sent us to Texas A&M University for a year. Uh, Mark and Lexi Day, I think, were the directors at the time, and we were there for a year. We learned what it means to disciple, what NAVs mean by that, and uh, how they do things. That year went by. Um, then they said, well, you need to go to language school. So we, they sent us to South Carolina to go to a Russian language school in South Carolina, Columbia International University. And when they said that, they said, Ben, we also want you to go to Ukraine instead. And we're like, what? Where, Where is that? Is that? <laughs> it was kind of a shocker how it came about, you know. And 
long story short, it came down to, okay, we trust navigators as our leaders. We're going to submit to what they say because they think this is best. And so, they know way better than we do we, about what it better. means to send someone. We don't know. So they they said, okay, we found it on the map. And they said, well, should we keep studying Ukrainian or study Russian? And they said, yep, just keep studying Russian for now. So we did. We finished. And then that was in our, 2005. Had our second okay. child, Josh. Mm-hmm. And then we moved over to Ukraine in 2005. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and so I'm curious, as you were considering in, in that space of do we stay kind of in this conventional uh, business way or do we do missions? You talked about perspectives, um, but I'm, I'd be curious if there were other like promises from scripture or verses that for you guys were like really huge and like, yeah, we're, we're going to go to the nations now. I mean, again, going back to the perspectives, there was just so much in the Bible, just of the guy who was leading the program going through the whole Bible and showing from Genesis to the end was just like, it's the nations. It's not just about my own culture that I grew up with. It's all these other cultures too. And God's doing things there. He's doing different things in those places. And I want to see that. I want to see his glory brighter than just the glory that happens in, in, in America. So, mm. And yeah. Yeah, when, yeah, when you put things in perspective that America's not necessarily named in the Bible. Right. <laughs> and um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a, a special job, I, but I think Argentina has a special place too. And each, each place has a special place in God's heart. And then when you reflect on Revelation, I'm sure that's where you're going. That's where yes. I'm going. So Boom, this was like, big for us. It's like we're married. For sure. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah, the Revelation 21, um, when it says in 24, the nations will walk by the light so the lamp, uh, the lamb is the light, walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. And then down to 26, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Man, I could just see what is the glory and honor of Ukraine or of Argentina or, Argentina or even America or Thailand or seeing these groups of people bringing in the best of the best to the kingdom. And then if you go down into 22, it talks about the tree of life that's there. And the river of life, and the, how the the fruit that comes off it it bears twelve different crops of fruit every month. But then the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, the healing of the nations. Like, what does a healed America actually look like? I don't think we even have a great picture of that. What does a healed Ukraine look like? And people coming in, people coming into the kingdom that is people from every nation. I think we'll have the distinction of being, yeah, this guy was from Argentina and he has these like the best of the best. This is like a healed Argentina, a healed Mexico, a healed nations that don't even exist anymore coming into the kingdom of people that came from those places. And that's just beautiful to see. That's glorious. That's the kingdom of God. And it takes us way out of our own cultures and makes us look to something bigger because I think we all want to know that we're part of something bigger. It's yeah. not just about us. It's bigger than that. So That's awesome. So then when did you guys actually move to Ukraine? In 2005, November. November. 2005. And you guys have been living there since you guys had to evacuate, right? So that's what, 16, 16 yeah. years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'd be curious, what are some of your favorite things about Ukraine? Maybe some the food, customs? I, I, I also like, I have to say the, a tradition or a thing that is really, I appreciate is a lot of Ukrainians uh, have like a summer place, so they go out to the village where they have uh, their grandparents have a house or something that they go out there, and they spend most of the summer there. And so we ended up getting a, it's called a dacha, um, that's about an hour and a half away, two hours away from our place in, in Kiev. Kiev's a big city, so there's a lot of stuff going on there. But when we go out to the dacha, it's just a big field, a small, tiny little house thing, 
and it's just quiet and there's animals and there's a village and we really come to enjoy being out there being a little bit dirtier than usual you know and just enjoying being in what they would say being in nature and like fresh air they'd say fresh air is very important mm-hmm. for you so a lot of sitting and having conversations around tea yeah and slower pace of life much slower. they definitely like that in especially in the summertime but anyway but we missed that time away and the, the rest and being outside in nature so mm-hmm. and we hosted a lot of students would come to our dacha yeah. and we set out tents in the field and have big bonfires at night and watch the stars and have great conversations. So it was a real gift to our family. It's definitely something that we are missing right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So then with kind of the crisis happening there with Russia invading and war breaking out, um, I can't even imagine how stressful that was to try to get out of there and even discern, do we stay or not stay? So I'd be curious, kind of, when that was all happening, what what did it, what did it look like for you guys to make a step of faith in that? Well, that's a good one. You're exactly right. That was a not a time I'd love to re- I'd like to repeat ever. Um, Russia doing stuff is not a new thing here. Since 2014, there's been 14,000 Ukrainian soldiers that have died in the war against Russia when it started in 2014. Um, So we've been living with this tension actually for quite a while. The war had been frozen in the east for this Mm -hmm. whole last eight years. And Ukrainian people have been gathering together kind of a grassroots support the front line for quite a while that we had prayed with, prayed for, supported the last eight years. This was not a brand new thing. So, Mm -hmm. but the people that were talking to us were saying, goodness, it's getting hot. It's getting worse. And you really need to consider leaving, getting your stuff ready. So we we did. We got our go bags ready. We, <laughs> I bought a decimeter to check for radiation because we had radioactive fires the, the week the, the year before, which is just unheard of to think about. And then got a radio, a portable radio, and just started collecting things like that and going all the time, expecting to to this to not to happen. But then after the first of the year, finally, when the embassy said American citizens should consider leaving now. We talked to our boss. He's like, yeah, why don't you guys go ahead and go? And that was January 26th when we left. We looked at our house and backed out and we're like, what are we doing? I mean, we were we were doing a plan that we had, but it was just the whole time our hearts are just like, what is happening? What are we, so we, we drove and cried some, drove, 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 you know, did all the whole thing, finally got out that day. But it was still a trusting the Lord and we were expecting to come back. We were hoping that everyone had laughed at us and said, you guys left and you came back and you shouldn't have left. That was so fun. And so that's what we were hoping would have happened. Yeah, man. Yeah. So what, so when you evacuated, you went to Hungary? Yes, okay. we went to Hungary. That was, we have, there's another navigator family there that's been there 17 years. Their kids are just a little bit older than our kids. So we've built a relationship over the years with them. And so we felt, we knew that was a good, safe place for us to just to land and that they would help us. So do you feel like you've been able to then help a lot of the Ukraine refugees that have come into Hungary? Well, I mean, it's it's a drop in the bucket, Ethan. Mm-hmm. It's it's a drop in the bucket what we were doing, honestly. First, when we came out, people were writing to saying, hey, can we come and help and do groups? And we're like, guys, we're, we're still trying. We're still shocked just from our own departure. So in the very beginning, it was just out of shock when the war had started and we weren't able to do much. But then we're like, okay, what can we do? And you just step out your front door and those countries – on the western side of Ukraine became everybody was doing refugee. It, no matter what ministry or what business you were doing, it was refugee. I mean, over 
between seven and eight million people have crossed the border in the last four months that quickly. And it just became refugees everywhere. So we did everything from transporting people from the border to Budapest or to the airport to translating birthdays for people trying to get UK visas uh, Ukrainians trying to get UK visas to go to the UK. Um, we and went just, to the train station. They didn't have enough translators. So we just showed up. Well, yeah, we can understand. What do you want me to translate? And he said, what's your birthday? What's his birthday? And I'm like, I gave him his birthday. And he goes, okay, that was it. That's enough. We, you could stay here all day long. And it would just help us like translate things and meet people at the train station or pick people up that had car trouble. And that's kind of what all of Eastern Europe is about right now and has done for the last four months. And a couple of times too, we've been able to take some kind of light Hungarian, light humanitarian uh, things back into Ukraine. So we've, I've been back five times since the war oh. started into Ukraine to Uzgorod, the Western city, which is only like 20 minutes over the border from Hungary, uh, to take stuff into people that are organizing things. So we would take stuff into them that they needed, specifically the leaders needed, as they distribute all this other, you know, tons of humanitarian aid that are coming through. Uh, would be the little thing that we could do. And then I would take some people out. Sometimes I would take some Ukrainians back in that were returning to Ukraine because we were really asking during this time, well, what has God gifted us to do, the Sandifords as you know, navigators to do, is to is with people. And we, I took my son, Caleb, and we went to Uzgorod, took a train, and we, drew, we went all the way to Kiev. This was after the war had started, and we were in Kiev uh, to see our house, which is fine. And the guys living at our house and near our house. And these are guys that can't leave the country because of the age restrictions for leaving the country during the war. And they're believers. And we got to see where their faith is and pray with them and eat a meal with them. So, Yeah, that's definitely been one of the questions we've asked is what is what has God designed the Sandfords to do? Yeah. Like we aren't humanitarian aid people. Experts. I mean, yeah, I mean, we certainly are willing to go to Sam's and buy a van load of rice, but really is that the best use of our time and energy? And really um, God has made Tyler and I to be care people. We have loved and cared for Ukrainian people for the last 15, 16 years. And we feel that we've built a large rapport and grown to love and understand a little bit this culture. And so now that we can walk through this dark time with our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, that we can be an encouragement to them. We can cheer them on. We can speak truth to them in a place where they don't hear it. Okay. And they're very discouraged sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, the reality is they speak it to us so many times. And yeah, we, we, we are so honored to, mm. to love on them and, and to represent them today even. It's just a, such a privilege, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I, I'd love to hear how you guys, how your relationship with the Lord has maybe shifted since all of this has started, or you talked about verses that God used to call you to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Are there any other passages that maybe he's used to encourage you to, to give you that, you know, that love that you can give to others? Yeah. What's that been like? Wow. Well, I mean, it really does seem like during this in, in wartime that it's not the time to start and p spend time studying as much as it is to live out what you've been taught and what you've learned <laughs> because proximity to people has just been totally destroyed. People move and they're, they're everywhere. They're, they've gone to different cities. They've done different things. And what it seems like, what I've noticed is that what com what's really inside of a person comes out during this time. It's not necessarily a time of sowing. It's like a reaping of what is in the side of a person at this time. And it's 
we've seen uh, faith grow, and then we've seen that oh, there really there really isn't a faith in the Lord truly during this time. But then we've seen a lot of shocked people too. So <laughs> that's that's kind of kind of kind of changing, um, but definitely not a. I mean, I've been in Lamentations a lot, a lot of lamenting and like sadness. And there's verses in there that talk about there is no happiness. In fact, even even the hope from the Lord has gone just before it says, you know, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. But what I've read that, I always read that with those couple of verses there in chapter three is like sequential. Like, okay, there's no hope for me now. There's no happiness. But then I call this to mind and everything's okay. No, it's still okay to be sad and not have hope for your country or for the end of war and yet still be able to call to mind that there's hope because the steadfast love of the Lord, that he continues on regardless of what happens in this country. And that has been hugely beneficial for me, for the Lord to show me that, is that it can, it's okay to be not hopeful about your own stuff, but be hopeful in the Lord at the same time. So it's like those things can happen that simultaneously. Kelly, what do you want? One of, yeah, one of the verses that God has reminded me of is John sixteen thirty three. Mm-hmm. I have said these things to you that in me you can have peace. Because in the world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm. Yeah. And the peace that The peace that, that gives mm. is a gift, and it is not the peace that the world gives. And, yeah, so we, we look at these situations, and they feel very hopeless. Mm. They actually could, this could go on for a long time. And God could have the plan to allow Ukraine to be wiped off the face of the earth. That is a reality. Um, And I have cried out to God a lot for the Ukrainian people. And Psalm 94 has been one of the places I keep going back to. It's in 94.9. It says, he who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nation, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. What a gift that our lives are short, <laughs> that we don't have to live through, um, that those, those sweet grandmas and grandpas who lived through World War II and saw the evil, a lot of them that we knew have died just in the last two or three years, and they are not seeing the same thing happen again. They're not seeing the evil rise up again. It's a gift that God is giving that our lives are short and we can trust him with today. And he is not deaf. Mm -hmm. and He is not blind. He sees. He hears. Yeah, that's great stuff, guys. Wow. Um, So how can how can we help Ukraine now? Like, what do you feel? Are there there any ways that people, you know, in America can be a part of the relief process in some way? It's a good question. I mean, while the war still goes on, it's really hard to, it's sometimes hard to talk about rebuilding the cities that have been destroyed. Um, I think a lot of people, there seems to be a lot of support around the world for Ukraine and countries volunteering to rebuild schools or some buildings and things. Um, And then there's the humanitarian side of people giving money to bring in food, people supporting militarily. I know, you know, Lithuania, bless their hearts, are raising money to get another Bayraktar drone, which is like $5 million and raising money for that. There's been a couple of groups that have raised money to get these Bayraktar drones that are just crazy good. 
Uh, and then there's the stuff that the governments are doing about, you know, weapons. And I wish they would come faster, but I, I get that that's complicated. So, but then there's people that come and want to just rebuild and help logistics. Logistics is a huge deal. So people that come that are really good at that help with getting food in, humanitarian aid in. But then there's the thing, then there's prayer. And I don't want to put prayer as last thing to do because it's really not. Prayers, you know, when he, when, when, when in the New Testament it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, I've really owned that now that really by praying in, in like creative by faith ways, because I think faith has to be there, then we can affect more than if we actually were to show up sometimes. Definitely. <laughs> I would say probably most times, maybe even. I don't know. But yeah, praying <laughs> praying and asking the Lord for specific people is, is good too. So we try to send out when we send out uh, emails, specific people that are going through specific things to pray for in creative ways. We've definitely been praying that, you know, Russians army as they come in, that they would all of a sudden be they'd be out from underneath their the regime and the lies and they would come into Ukraine and across the border and be like, what, what on earth? What am I doing here? Yeah. And just have light, you know, and hope and like, I don't want to be a part of this and just give up. And we, we, we don't want the death and destruction of anyone. Uh, one of the prayers that Tyler has prayed many, many times this season is that, thank you, Jesus, that today is a day of mercy. That those who don't know you have an opportunity to turn to you today. Today, his mercies are new every morning. He is faithful. So he knows his sheep. And we have to trust that he's working mm. to lead those sheep to him. So we don't want to pray for the destruction of anyone. Mm -hmm. But we can pray that those bullets that maybe they shoot aren't ineffective. We and can, that the accuracy of Ukrainians is like right on with every with every shot that they fire for whatever purpose that goes to. Yeah. yeah. That's, and the, the, the end is in the Lord's hand. But it does not stop him from saying he gets I believe Jesus gets excited when we when he, he's in this place and we're asking him for this today, he gets excited for that. He really does. He's, he's, he's excited to see how we... He's a big God. He can handle yeah. it. Yeah, good. B1 Make One is a production of The Navigators in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, podcast at navigators.org. 